Hey, architecture firm owners and emerging leaders, get ready for unparalleled insight into the development of a world-class architecture firm and a worldwide organization driving the digital transformation of the design and construction industry with Build Smart, the podcast that's changing how our profession operates. We share the incredible stories behind innovation in the building industry with my friend and co-host, Patrick McLaney, FAIA, former CEO of the international architecture firm, HOK. You know, Yamasaki's office or firm lasted during his lifetime. And when he passed away, I think that was the end of the Yamasaki office. Helmut did not want that. He wanted a firm that would live out and grow beyond the founders. In season one, discover the untold stories behind HOK's meteoric rise, from 150 employees in St. Louis to a powerhouse with over 1,900 staff members and 27 offices worldwide. You know, they weren't as polite as the Kojima people. That was just boom. And anytime you have a creditor, whether it's Kojima or the bank, that wants their money, unless you can raise money someplace else, you are out of business. Bankrupt. Bankrupt. And hold on tight for season two, where Patrick takes us on a new adventure as chairman of Building Smart International, shaping the future of digital transformation in the design, construction, and operation of built assets. Ian Howell, Ken Harold, and I, Ken was my technical representative from HOK. The three of us took a tour of Europe of five cities in five days. Very busy time. Simply follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Smart Now and uncover lessons that will transform you and your architecture firm. My name is Mark Arlapage, and you are listening to Entree Architect Podcast, where each week I speak with inspiring, passionate people who share their knowledge and expertise all to help you build a better business as a small firm entrepreneur architect. Eitan Safardi, welcome to Entree Architect Podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Mark. It's a pleasure. It's great to have you here, Eitan. Eitan is a serial entrepreneur with vast experience in the construction sector, first as an architect and afterward as the co-founder of See My Casa, a construction tech company he built and later sold to Autodesk. After the acquisition, Eitan became the general manager of Autodesk Israel, where he led the R&D center with 200 employees developing various construction tech products. And so that sort of gives us a little bit of background who you are, Eitan. Um, I want to hear more about you. You you have a fascinating bio. Um, I want to hear it from you rather than having me read a, a bio. Go back to where you discovered architecture. Who inspired you or maybe what inspired you to become an architect and share your your origin story to where you are today? Wow, to go back. Um, sure, Mark. Um, I would probably say... Um, you know, my answer will not be so unique because uh, when, when you hear about who inspired me a lot, I guess a lot of the audience that you have will say, oh, of course, uh, I was inspired too by this architect. I was, you know, I think the first architect that I was inspired by was uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, um, The Falling Water. This, yeah. you know, this one blew my mind. Um, and later on, uh, you know, when I, you know, did my first trip, you know, um, 
um, you know, to to Pennsylvania. I think it's over there. And so I, with my own eyes, was even more impressive. Uh, of course, it was smaller. Um, yeah. you know, it was almost like uh, seeing some, you know, in, in the books, it looks like gigantic. And then when you go to the actual building, you say, oh, my God, um, people was that short. Um, but uh, but it is um, a remarkable uh, piece of architecture. It is uh, something that, you know, as as a young architect, I just sat down and and you know took my sketchbook and just drew, um, did a, did some sketches. Um, how how building, old were amazing. how old were you when you first discovered uh, Frank Lloyd Wright and realized he was an architect and that was something that you were interested in? Twenty two or so. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So after so. after so high school, pretty, college college time, university time. College, we we do uh, we we do military service here, so okay. um, so it's uh, it's before university, um, and then you know you, you just you know after the military service, uh, most of us are you know just uh, uh, picking uh, selecting a, a a dot on the globe, and then you just just travel. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> um, so a lot of people go to South America. A lot of people, and I go to the U.S. and and uh, just to see and and then. You know, when when I thought about you know architecture, that was the moment. You know, the the falling water was uh, the most impressive. So you went to visit building that. So you went to visit, and and so where what happened after that? You went to visit and and recognized the the house, and and where'd you go from there? And in a way, you know, decided that you know I, I was fascinated with buildings even before that. But and then you know, looking at books and looking at buildings, and you know, the first thing I saw you know, this uh, remarkable piece in in, the, in some of the books, and then after the trip, you you see you you notice buildings more. Um, I can you know, there is a joke about architects when when you know when you're traveling, you're with your head up all the time because <laughs> yes. you're looking at buildings yeah. rather than uh, the scenery, rather than uh, you know the the sidewalk. <laughs> But uh, but yeah, that you know that's uh, after after uh, you know, after that I decided to go to school to architecture school. Um, I guess you know a story that is common to many architects is that um, you you recognize you know two two sides of your brain that are working. One is more artistic, mm -hmm. and one is more technical. And you're not too artistic, so you, you don't want to do just art, um, and um, you're not too technical. And you're not, so you're not going to be an engineer, right? So I guess this is common to many of my fellow architects. Uh, so you just choose architecture. Yeah, yeah. Where did you go to school? Um, Tel Aviv University. Okay, and then and then what happened after after university? Um, even you know during university, um, I experienced a, a, a crisis with the profession. Uh, I told my. Uh, um, my professor that I have, I'm having a crisis. So, so she told me, you know what, Ethan, get used to it. <laughs> we, we architects, we experience, we experience this crisis every year since we graduate. <laughs> that's not a crisis. That's architecture. <laughs> exactly. That's the definition of the profession. Um, didn't you know that? Um, so I said, no, I didn't know that. Um, but afterwards, you know, after school, um, and, you know, another anecdote, which is really interesting, that 
um, once, you know, during this, during my studies, when I decided that maybe it's not going to be my profession, my grades were actually higher. My work was actually better because I was not stressed with what everybody says about what, what I'm doing. I was just doing, you know, the things that I like to do. And um, I guess, you know, great architecture comes from passion, comes from the things that you really like, enjoy doing. And when you enjoy your, your work, you enjoy your craft, you're producing great stuff. So, um, and then I'm, I truly believe in that until today. So, so how did you get from university to the tech side of everything? Ah, okay. the, the tech side, the tech side of it uh, was always there. I was, um, uh, I, I was uh, playing with code, with HTML, with uh, CSS, with JavaScript, uh, even as uh, during my studies. You know, I remember that um, I was in charge of the computer lab. In, in the university and you know, just to kind of, um, uh, uh, you know, fulfill this passion of, of tech. Um, so that was always a part of my um, personality to do the combination tech and architecture. Um, I was, and even during my, you know, my first year as, years as architect, I was always trying to make things more efficient to the, to the offices that I worked in. Um, I was always seeing the architecture office or the architecture company that I uh, was working in um, as, uh, how should I put it, as a non-tech environment, um, not very efficient in its you know, technical thinking, its process thinking. Um, it was more of um, um, an, artists trying to manage a business that this is what I felt when I started uh, working in architecture firms. Yeah. Yeah. I think a lot of architects feel that, that they're, they're artists trying to run a business and, and feel very unqualified for that. So, so how did you get to, to, uh, beyond that? How did you get past that part of, of the, of the business? So I think, um, after a few years in the profession, um, there was, um, an, you know, a point that um, I, you know, you, you, you pretty much you get experience in what you do. You get your craft better. Uh, you know that you can even open your own practice. Um, I think every architect and I think a lot of your, um, you know, people that listening to us are, are young architects who open their practice, right? You know, right. They, they spend some time in an office. They learned, they understood, they can do multifamily, they can do offices, they can do apartments, they can do a lot of things. Um, and even if they can't, they didn't do everything in architecture, um, you feel pretty good about you um, working as an independent, as, as a solo, solo pr practitioner, sole practitioner. Um, and, and this is where um, every architect is thinking, okay, what should I do next? Right. It's it's this moment that you say, OK, I'm not going to go to another office and work for another five years. And I'm thinking about being independent, running my own show. Um, and then um, I said, I have to do something that answers my passion. My passion was tech and construction, tech and architecture. Um, and I said, I think it was 2006. 
2007. And if you remember that era, Mark, uh, Steve Jobs just announced the iPhone, right? You know, yeah. the iPod was already there. It's in the Apple. A year later, he announced the iPad. Uh, the world of technology was booming, right? It was, uh, it, yeah. it was intensive. So for me, it was, okay, this is the time to do a startup. <laughs> yeah, and it was pre-recession. -re pre it was it was booming. The economy was booming. Everybody oh had God. money. The, you know, the, the, a lot of tech companies were, were, were born right around that time. Right. Um, actually, the first year of the startup was 2008. And so, I, you know, so heads up, if I'm deciding to um, to open to open a new startup, there is something wrong with the world, like the world crisis in 2008. <laughs> yeah. Today, uh, a global pandemic. Yeah. <laughs> so the next time I'm, I, I will let you know that I. I'm thinking about the new startup. Right. Let us all know happen. so we can prepare for the for the next the next big problem. Yeah. So um, so uh, uh, I opened my new startup. I didn't know anything about entrepreneurship, about management, about everything that I know today. Uh, I was a young architect. Um, I had a tech. I had a tech side and just you know found a, a co-founder. Uh, it was a technological co-founder to work with me with in this startup, and we thought, hmm. Um, there are so many tech advancements. Why don't we use it to do better planning, right? Um, so we did see my casa, and this was the, the this is how see my casa was born. Um, and it was how do you leverage um, you know the iPad, the iPhone in order in order to generate three D scenes. And if you generate three D scenes automatically, can you do the interior design uh, with you know, drag and drop furniture, drag and drop appliances, um, both web, mobile, um, and you know, and, and the, the business model was let you know, let's call all you know the uh, IKEA of the world, you know, the, the furniture companies of the world to um, to to get ranked in in our uh, in, you know interior design uh, app, and it was uh, it was great because um, I learned a lot about business. I made huge mistakes uh, as an entrepreneur. Um, I, I learned that, um, you know, one of, of, our, of my first customers was Sears, when, when Sears was a big name. Um, and, you know, I, I remember, um, you know, drive, you know, flying to the US, um, um, getting uh, on, a, on a cab, on a, on a taxi to, uh, to Hoffman Estate, uh, to meet, I think number three in Sears, and he actually signed a deal with me. <laughs> that was kind of my. The, it was super surprising that um, I, I don't think I had a suit to, to the meeting. I, you know, I was coming pretty, you know, as as I as I am today, and and, and then I, I kind of found out that everything is possible um, if I just signed a deal with Sears. Um, you know, after like one or two meetings, um, the, you know, I'm I'm on the right track, right? Um, and and see my casa was um, a great experience for me. Um, after four and a half years, it was acquired by Autodesk, um, and Autodesk that many of your audience, um, you know, use their software, um, but and also pay the fee, you know, for per seat when when you you. Uh, when you license their uh, their software, 
um, was a great school for me for how to um, develop software, um, manage people, um, you know, expand my networking in, in the in the real estate and, and you know construction world. Um, spent some time in San Francisco in the headquarters. You know, great place to uh, to to relocate and spend time. Um, and then went back to Israel to be the general manager of the Israeli R&D Center, um, which was also a great experience and taught me a lot. You know, through these years, I went to Harvard Business School to do the executive uh, program to expand my knowledge and my skills around management. Um, so that was also a great experience being in Boston in, in, in the dormitories at Harvard. It's, uh, it's, it's a dream come true. When you went to Harvard, it was it was it after the acquisition and before you went back to Israel, or where yeah. where did that happen? Um, after the acquisition, actually, after I got back to Israel, um, there was a point that I uh, wanted to do, you know, to expand my skills and you know just ask the Autodesk, you know, my manager at Autodesk that I want to do, um, you know, business school, um, and. Autodesk was very, very uh, nice to me and said, yeah, we believe in you. We, you know, we think you can go to uh, executive roles here and, and, and we want to invest in you. Um, I don't know if sadly or, or you know, how, how to describe it, but uh, a year after I, I decided to go back to entrepreneurship. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> but this is life, right? You know, the, the, the entrepreneurship bug was always there. You know, even from from the stuff from the architecture studies it was there, um, so I, I just had to do another startup uh, because there was a huge opportunity in the world, and you can see that you can see how um, construction tech and prop tech today is booming, right? Um, think about two thousand seven, two thousand and eight. There was there was no even the, the term construction tech. Nobody yeah. knew construction. Way way Nobody way early. Said construction tech or. I went to VCs to to get the funding for my venture, and they told me, "Why are you doing things about with construction?" They will, they didn't understand why, um, but today everybody understands why. It's a huge market. There are huge opportunities. Uh, the market adopts even architects. Uh, architects adopt technologies much faster than anyone else in the industry. So that's huge opportunity to to do business. So, so you were with uh, Autodesk for four years, you said? Four years at Autodesk. Um, and then after Autodesk, um, I thought about all kinds of ideas in architecture, construction. I even played around a little bit with 3D printing, which is a hype, was a hype in, in uh, a few years ago. Um, I, th I still think that 3D printing has more hype than uh, a solution. Uh, we can talk about this also. We, we can have a, a, a whole new, uh, an entire podcast about that. We'll, we'll invite you back for that because I want to get into AI and what you're doing with Swap. So, so but AI is, you know, AI is, I wouldn't say it's the future, it's the present. Um, it's the present, it's, it's what architecture, AI should be in the core of architecture today. Um, I'm, I'm happy that in Swap we do that. Uh, every day, um, I, I do think that everybody will, will do that. And with or without swap, um, people will, will understand in the industry that 
AI, deep technology is, will be the, in the core of what we do. Let's take a quick break to say thank you to our sponsors for their support of this episode. This episode is brought to you by BQE, the makers of BQE Core, systems and standard operating procedures. You already know that that's how to build a profitable business and find the freedom you want. You need systems and procedures. But you struggle with choosing which systems you need most and how to implement those systems quickly so you can get back to doing what you love most. The Designing Your Business Masterclass series was created by acclaimed architect and business consultant Douglas Teeger to help fellow architects and engineers run their firms more profitably while maintaining a healthy work-life balance. Douglas grew from a solo practitioner to become managing partner of his 30-plus person firm and then later sold his firm so he can do what he does today, helping architects be more successful at Tiger Consulting. On the third Wednesday of every month, Douglas dives deep into an essential topic that will strengthen the profitability of your firm and make it sustainable for growth in the years to come. Register now for the next Designing Your Business Masterclass with Douglas Teeger at bqe.com masterclass and start implementing powerful systems for the profitability you need and the freedom you want. Every live masterclass session includes AIA continuing education credit and when you visit bqe.com masterclass, you'll have access to the full library of past sessions on demand. The Designing Your Business Masterclass is free and it's brought to you by our friends at BQE, the makers of BQE Core, the software that makes it easy to manage your projects and people for maximum productivity and ultimate profitability. Register now for the Designing Your Business Masterclass at bqe.com masterclass. That's bqe.com masterclass. This episode is brought to you by FreshBooks. There's a lot to love about being an entrepreneur architect, right? But trying to figure out your financials on your own is not one of those things. Luckily, there's FreshBooks, the all-in-one accounting solution that's built for business owners like us. FreshBooks takes all the not-so-fun parts of running a business from building and tracking invoices to managing online payments to organizing expenses and automates them with features like the new digital bills and receipt scanner, saving you up to 11 hours per week in the process, 11 hours. FreshBooks has your back at tax time too. It's almost tax time. With a ton of reports to choose from, you'll know exactly where your business stands and you can easily hand the keys over to your accountant so they can take over when it's time to reconcile everything for the year. Try FreshBooks, try FreshBooks for free for 30 days. No credit card required. It's free. Go to freshbooks.com slash architect. Freshbooks.com slash architect to get started today. That's freshbooks.com slash architect. So what will you do with your 11 more hours each week? This episode is brought to you by rcat.com. We all have that one story, that one project that had such a unique situation that it required a solution that you had rarely considered before. We share these stories in private professional circles with our friends and our colleagues, but there has never been a collection of these stories of conflict and triumph all in one place until now. 
Detailed is a podcast series that features architects, engineers, builders, and manufacturers who share their insights and expertise as they highlight some of the most complex, interesting, and oddball building conditions that they have ever encountered and the ingenuity it took to solve them. Join host Sharice Lakeside, a.k.a. CSI Kraken, a senior specifications writer at RDH Building Science as she uncovers lessons learned to help you navigate similar challenges that may arise in your next project. Detailed, an original podcast by RCAT. Listen and subscribe right now at rcat.com slash podcast. That's rcat.com slash podcast, A-R-C-A-T dot com slash podcast. Detailed, every building has a story. Please visit our sponsors today and thank them. Thank them for supporting you, the Entree Architect community. Let's start at the very beginning. First of all, for anybody who doesn't realize, AI is artificial intelligence. And so it's using computers to make some decisions and make some, some at a very basic level. So, so Eitan, can you explain to me what SWAP is and how it is affecting the process of architectural design? Of course. Um, and, and, and before I, I'm, I'm even, even describing it, um, I, I want people not to be scared yeah. of AI. Because uh, when, sometimes when you say I and, and you re- refer to a traditional industry, people will probably just think, oh, my God, uh, AI will replace us. Right. That's a big um, fear. You know, like like people thought about, yeah, um, like like people thought, you know, when, when there was, uh, you know, remember in the past when you bought flying tickets, so you had to go to a person and, and actually buy the, the, the flying ticket. Today, you just go to computer and just, Da, 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 and you put everything and you have a flying ticket. Um, but doesn't mean that uh, people from the uh, touristic to, tourism um, disappear. They changed their profession. The profession was changed. And this is what I think about how SWAP is affecting the industry. The architect, architecture profession will be changed. Um, um, and the people will stop doing, architects will stop doing tedious, uh, repetitive work um and they will leverage their human advantage the human expertise in order to combine it with what the computer can can generate for them so in a nutshell what swap is doing uh, um, we call ourselves an ai driven architecture practice we are we are providing we were doing architecture you know but in comparison to many of, of the companies that you might have heard of that they're just doing software to help architects or you know or like Revit or AutoCAD or a lot of you know apps. Um, what we did was pretty different. We said, okay, we are going to take the role of the architect. We're going going to a, let's say a real estate developer. Tell him you should use a platform to design to 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 plan your uh, your home. This platform will combine human expertise, like there, there will be architects, we, we have in-house architects, and everything that AI can, can offer you. And this will make the process much more faster, um, automated, where, where it should be automated, not everything should be automated. 
um, very, very efficient, um, minimizing errors, minimizing er uh, human errors, and optimizing for specific results because the, the computer, the AI always try to optimize. So this is kind of the, um, um, this is what uh, uh, what's so unique about using a machine to generate plans. So swap in a way is, um, is a new architecture um, form. Um, it's a combination between an architecture practice and a tech company. Um, everything that we do as architects, we are teaching the machine to do uh, in the next project, right? So in a way you can, yeah, so in a way you can think about us as a very, very efficient architecture practice. Um, um, our in-house architects are using um, the most advanced technology. Our algorithms, our algorithm developers and AI experts are teaching the, the, the you know, their algorithms how to plan, how to think. And um, once you, you do one, you learn, you, you keep learning and do the next one and the next one better and better and better. This is how AI works. It's a learning system. It's a learning uh, uh, process. Um, so that this is in a, in a nutshell. What we dis what we discovered in the process is that um, our best partners are architects, architecture uh, companies. Because when you um, when you are when you understand that this is the future and and um, what swap. Is, is generating um, is something that after you see the, the you know the, the system in action, you're thinking, oh my God, why did I why should I spend time on this? The computer can do it. Like um, and I, you know think about um, a multifamily uh, uh, project, right? So first of all, the mixture. You know, the two bedroom uh, uh, da, 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 percentage of, of the, well, the three bedroom, four bedroom, the, the communal spaces, everything. Um, the mixture itself, you just input it to the machine and you get like a massing. Uh, you know, the first massing according to a specific typology, um, you know, double load corridor, uh, you know, Texas donut, whatever you choose. Uh, after you have that, every architect will tell you that. Pretty, he pretty much knows what he's going to build. Like the des design decisions are there. So if you teach the computer basic design decisions, like, um, and I'm not talking even the, about the code, with the code is, you know, the egress path, and, uh, just the design decisions of the architect, you can actually click a button and generate the entire building, you know, the detailed design. And um, um, in simple... Uh, uh, buildings, you can teach the machine to do that uh, better and better and better. Um, and, um, and, and in a way, the architect can, can now think about himself as solving the more complex problem and when to be creative in the specific building and not, not generating, of course, the model. He doesn't need to draw so many hours. Um, in a way, in the future, I think the people that listen to us um, will stop billing by the hour. Because when you bill by the hour, you actually force your 
customer to to a model that if you if it takes like one month to draw you should pay me for the one month of, of you know just drawing the project but your end customer really pays you for the value that you provide as an right. architect if you solve a complex problem if you know someone in the you know local authority that can help you get the right project if you and these are the things that that humans should keep doing we don't have an algorithm to uh, talk to a specific person in a local authority right uh, we don't have um, an algorithm to um, you know gen, you know uh, put some creativity in 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 a way that um, in, in a way that results from human intuition we're not there yet um, so humans has a lot of place in the planning process but there is an entire and every architect will tell you like there is an entire entire bulk of work that you should teach the computer to do um, and, and 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 practically it's just an advancement or or evolution of what happens in the past if you think about what is AutoCAD or Revit people you know you know when I studied architecture we had like you know pens and and, and papers and and um, you know tea rulers and we did that um, and with AutoCAD, you don't need that. So AutoCAD, in a way, uh, the first AutoCAD told architects, you don't need to do all that stuff. Was, was that artificial intelligence? In, in a way, it was. Because you don't need to draw or, or let's say that you have a building with so many windows. Architects in the past drew, uh, drafted uh, a window by window by window. He just right. did it, right? Even if it was the same window 50 times, someone did it. With with uh, with a pen and paper, but AutoCAD came along and said you just copy or array or or do something in one click. So technology is advancing. Um, so and, and and the computers is becoming smarter. That's the reality. So it's not just you clicking and copy paste uh, whatever you did like the window. You just need to tell the computer, hey, I just want a multifamily building in Lee County. Um, and this is the mixture. Um, and oh, by the way, I want a below grade parking. Uh, and please, uh, um, um, artificial intelligence, I want everything today um, with the construction documents, right? <laughs> yeah. This is swap. Yeah. This is swap. It sounds like swap is basically doing the hours and hours and hours of work that architects do to get to the point where they can be creative, right? So if they have a building, a multifamily building to continue with the same example, um, when they start with that project, they spend days getting the model together, right? They know the, the basic outline, they know the basic parameters of this building, they have to spend time putting together that model in order to get to the level where they can be creative with it. And so it sounds like what Swap is doing exactly. is taking all that time of that repetitive work that is that is needed to design another multifamily building um, and gets you instantly to the point where you can be creative and solve a, solve a problem very quickly for uh, a client that the that the computer can't solve. Right, getting to the point where the ar the architect is doing the things that the that the computer the AI cannot do. Um, and much more efficiently. So potentially, we make a lot more money. Exactly, you can take more projects. I'm, you know, I, 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 um, uh, I'm, I'm visiting Texas uh, next month. 
um, and I'm, I'm visiting a few architecture firms or a few architecture companies, um, and also sole, sole practitioners. Um, and what I told them that I have, uh, we have customers, real estate developers, that told us that they want to build in Texas. I'm not a local architect. So what I offered them is for them to be my partner. You know the local uh, authorities. You know you already built there. Um, why don't we partner? I mean, um, let's, you and I, let's take together 10 projects together, not just one, because you, you have like one or two employees. You know, you don't need to hire too many people in order to, uh, to be creative and get a lot of projects. The reason that you need to hire 100 people to deal with 10, 10 different projects is just to, to model them in Revit or to, to, to draw them, right? You know, the first, you know, the, the zoning, the, the, the research, the creativity is not taking so long. Um, most of the project is going to, to drafting and generating construction documents and the details and, and so on. And this can be, a lot of this can be done by computer. So what we've done, we, we just partnered with architects all over the world, local architects. Um, sometimes we bring the customer, sometimes they bring the customer. And together we are, you know, one plus one is like, you know, equal 10 projects. This is what, this is what we do today. And um, we, love, uh, we love partnering with architecture firms because it's always a way for us to see how creative the humans are and how the technology is kind of completing everything that they do, which is, uh, it's an amazing journey for me as an, as an architect. Yeah, it's so interesting. And and if anybody wants to go check out what Swap is doing, it's Swap with two Ps. So Swap.net is where you want to go. That's the website. You can go see what Swap can do. Um, what is your thought, Eitan, on the future of architects and architecture, right? This is very, very early. And it's very, very rapidly developing. Um, and, you know, lots of the current responsibility of architects is going to be replaced by tech. Um, are, there's a role for architects in the future. From your point of view, um, what is that role? What do architects must, what, what will they need to evolve to become in order for them to not become obsolete? First of all, they need to come back to what they were doing in architecture school. <laughs> In architecture school, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of uh, um, you know, funny to remember, you were actually practicing architecture. Um, you were not um, drawing hours after hours in order to you know, meet certain uh, you know, code requirements or, or uh, counting uh, parking stalls or, or calculating areas. Nobody asked you to do that. What, you know, when, when you were in, in architecture school, if, you know, for, for the audience that listened to us, you know, remember what you did. You were really planning. You were really thinking. You were being creative. If, you know, you, 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 um, you know your, your professor told you, hey, let's do a gallery or let's do, you know, um, a neighborhood. And you're really thinking about, as a human what should be there. Um, and I think, and, and I think this is the the uh, the future of, of of architecture. It will, 
it will take, you know, the artificial intelligence, all these advancement in technology will take the architecture back to what there was, they were intended to do in the first place, to plan, to be creative, to um, understand your, their local communities and design better homes and better, better places for them. But they can do it without all the tedious work, without all the technical work and without, um, you know, spending hours and hours and hours of, 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 of you know, generating the models and, and checking the areas and, and so on. Yeah, yeah. Fascinating. Because I think that's, that's one of the biggest fears from architects that, that are listening to us. You know, they're, they're seeing the technology being developed. Um, and, and one of the things I talk about all the time here on the podcast is that as architects, we need to embrace technology. We need to get involved in the development of technology. become part of that evolution um, rather than fight it, rather than reject it. Because if you reject it, it's going to come, it's going to steamroll right over the top of you and, and it will make you obsolete. There are other industries and other uh, in, uh, uh, other professionals will gladly take your place as the, the problem solver. Um, and so it is Im imperative that architects uh, be aware of what's being developed and become part of the, the of that process, become part of the, the solution uh, of those technologies um, and get involved in them and learn with them and, and use them to become more successful. Yeah, don't, don't be don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Always, um, you know, take part in the revolution and not not just wait for for it to, uh, uh, so, uh, you know, and then you'll you'll get behind. So so always, I, I always tell to young architects and even older ones, um, with or without me, <laughs> without swap, it will happen. Right. So you better be prepared. Right. Right. So let's let's right. come back to today. I want to ask the final question that I ask everybody. Um, what is one thing that a small firm architect can do today to build a better business for tomorrow? That's a very good question. Um, I think um, um, a small architecture firm, um, first of all, you have to have patience. Um, in, in our industry, and I know this industry, it's true across the globe, um, you you probably you will have like two years without many projects. So don't put your head down and then just think about, you know, closing the business. You have to, you know, hang in there because this is part, part of our profession is to hang in there and to wait and to, to initiate all kind of things, all kind of things in order to, uh, to get the business. Um, of course, improve your business skills. Don't forget this is a business. I mean, if you haven't studied in business school, go take a course in business. Understand what is a financial statement? What is a cost of a business? How do you generate revenues? What will be um, your best product? Um, don't take multiple lost leaders. Take just one. Not every building should be a landmark, right? Spend your time. See what, what um, where the money coming from. Um, you know, if you have to do a lot of apartments and it's boring, Hell, do it all apart. It's boring, but it, it, this is what pays the bills. This is what pays the salaries of your employees. And do one landmark in three years, four years, five years. You don't need to everything to be um, um, in 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 uh, in in, uh, in the magazine. Um, 
And of course, of course, of course, embrace technology. Embrace technology through partnerships. Embrace technology through uh, reading what's out there, adopting uh, automation, uh, plugins. Um, move from AutoCAD to Revit now. Don't do, don't do 2D anymore. Think about your, your process in 3D. It's hard, but you have to do it. Um, what else can I say? I have so many tips. The great, the best tip, call swap will help you. Call, call swap. You can check them out on, on the internet. Uh, swap.net, two P's, swap.net. Uh, Eitan Safari, thank you very, very much for coming by and sharing your, your knowledge with us. Fascinating work that you're doing at Swap. Uh, it's something that I'm very interested in. Um, and I want to bring to our community so they're aware of what's happening and what's available to them uh, because it's there. It's there available to you. So you can go check it out right now. You can uh, see how it works and, and get involved with it. So swap.net. Uh, Eitan, thank you very much for the work that you're doing and for sharing your knowledge today at Entree Architect Podcast. My pleasure, Mark. Thank you very much for having me. If you liked this episode of Entree Architect Podcast, please share a rating, write a review, go write a review. I would love to know what you think of this podcast and it helps other architects find us. So go do five-star rating if you like it, share it, write a review, I'd love it, and share a link to this episode with a friend because that's how we've grown. That's how Entree Architect has grown to serve thousands of architects throughout the world just like you. Thank you to our sponsors, RCAT, FreshBooks and BQE for their support of this episode. I ask you to support them because they support us. And if they're supporting us, they're supporting you. So go support them. Got it? Go support our sponsors. Links to our sponsors. So you can click on those links and go right to them. Links to our sponsors and all the resources we shared today are available at the show notes for this episode at entrearchitect.com slash podcast. All the shows are there. entrearchitect.com slash podcast. Entree Architect is a member of the Gable Media Podcast Network. Gable Media is curated thought leadership for an audience dedicated to building a better world. Listen and subscribe to all the shows. I think there are 11 of them there now. Go there, gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And I hope you're going to join us in Austin November 1st through November 3rd, 2022. Those are the dates for the Entree Architect Community Annual Meeting, our first ever live and in-person conference for you, the small firm architect community. Visit entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting right now to learn more. That's entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting, and I will see you in Austin in November. Don't miss this. This is going to be great. entrearchitect.com slash annual meeting. It's a conference for you, small firm architects. Thank you for listening today to this episode of Entree Architect Podcast. Love, learn, and share what you know. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything, yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, we'll buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. 
where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders, Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that (laughs) then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like, us, can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success. Calling all small firm architects. It's time to tap into your full potential with Entree Architects Context and Clarity where inspiration meets innovation. Hey, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my two favorite co-hosts, Jeff Eccles and Katie Kangas, as they bring together authors, experts, and thought leaders for electric conversations with entrepreneur architects around the globe. It's not just a podcast, it's a community where dreams meet action. There is a simple equation there. And what for me, what that did, just doing that basic calculation was, it allowed me to compare what I had actually saved in my retirement accounts to what I thought a possible projected annual spend might be. Artists are temperamental, so beautiful design is gonna be a priority. When the job is done, we're gonna actually need to live in the house, not live with the person who designed it. <laughs> so for me, the, the artistic skill, the architectural skill is most important. And so I would say like, that would be 60% of it, if not more. Gain insights to build a successful practice. Subscribe, engage, and let's redefine your future together. Join the Context and Clarity community, where every conversation adds to your blueprint for success.